to Even Flamingos Lose Their Pink. This is episode two, so welcome along. Thanks for listening again if you did last week, and hello if you're brand new here. I mean, I think everyone's brand new here because we're only on episode two. So, yeah, let's get on with it. So, firstly, I want to apologise if I sound even more nasally than normal. I have a cold. My prediction was right. The baby goes to nursery on Thursday for the first time and on Friday wakes up poorly, which then when he's getting better, I get sick. So I, yeah, I'm more, I don't, I don't get a sexy sultry voice when I get sick. I get more squeaky than normal. So apologies if it's more annoying than it would be. So um, what have we been doing this week? Well, it's half term. So we've had to, um, well, we've had to entertain children. So Monday we went to somewhere called Windmill Farm. And let me tell you, if you're from around here, and I say around here, Wigan, northwest, if northwest is in your range for driving, get yourself to Berska, because uh, Windmill Farm was epic. <laughs> you get to feed the animals, buy bags of feed, feed the animals. They've got llamas, they've got alpacas, they've got curly-haired pigs, they've got little like cows, pygmy goats, oh, they've got lizards, they've got snakes. There was an iguana, like... A- it was almost as big, well, it was bigger than the cat. I didn't realise they got that big, so we had a great day. And then on top of it all, they've got lambs. They've got the tiniest, cutest little lambs in the world, because lambs are so cute. And you get to feed them. So you queue up and you feed them. And um, yeah, so it was quite cute. That was the lambs like two weeks old that we were feeding. So that was nice. The boys enjoyed that. I enjoyed it. And then there was a soft play inside. I mean, there's a play outside as well, but there's a soft play inside too, so... Whilst I was trying to feed the smallest human that we own, the lads went off and played on the um, soft play and ran off some of their energy. So they were happy about that. So what else have we been up to? We went to the camper van, caravan, caravan and uh, motorhome show yesterday. That was fun. There's lots of stuff there that you really wish you've had money for to get. It was uh, just, yeah, we've got a tent. I went camping for the first time ever when I met Bruce. We went for 10 days to an eco-friendly campsite. No no electrics, solar-powered everything. And that was my first time ever camping for two weeks in Cornwall. Let me t- I really enjoyed it. So we've been out... Um, I've not actually been camping since... Oh, hang on, the chinchillas are fighting. Give me a sec. So I share my office with two chinchillas called Pikachu and Splinter. I mean, if you don't know what a chinchilla is, go and Google it. They are the world's cutest little rodent ever. They are the, honestly, they're just so cute. It's like a real life Pokemon and I've got two of them. That was one of the presents that Bruce has bought me that I didn't know I wanted. But when I got it, I was very happy that I did. He's very good at that. Yeah, so they decided to wake up while I'm recording. So I have to just keep pausing. Anyway, yeah. So caravan, camper van, motorhome show great day out it was wonderful I had a great it's on all week actually it's on till Sunday we went last year I thought we'd take a trip down to Birmingham again this year and go down and see that so that was good um one suggestion from last week's podcast was because I talked about obviously the podcast is called evil flamingos lose their pink so someone suggested thanks Melissa um why don't I share about a fact about a, a flamingo a week so um we're gonna do fact of the week I, I mean I don't know how many flamingo facts I can get out of it but so far I've found about 10 so we're all right for the next nine podcasts so my flamingo fact of the week is a group of flamingos is called a flamboyance (laughs) that 
is possibly the best thing I read on the internet when I found that. Because, like, I don't know if you know, but a group of crows is called a murder and a group of geese is called a gaggle. So, you know, flamingos are obviously called a flamboyance because what is more flamboyant than a group of flamingos trotting along, shaking their heads, doing their moves? So, um, yeah, that's this week's Fact of the Week. Just in other news before I actually get on, I'm going to have a, we're, I might as well do rant of the week. I'm good at ranting, I like that. So um, I I, uh, I have a dry robe and I am not an open water swimmer because it, quite frankly, scares the life out of me. So hats off to you people that do it. I am not a strong swimmer. The idea of getting into a dark lake and not being able to see the floor terrifies me. Um, but we bought dry robes in the summer when we were in Wales and we did get them for when we were on the beach to change it into you know, it's cold. But then I dog walk and I carry a baby when I go dog walking and I watch the boys play rugby. Well, the boy, the two of them don't play anymore. Three of them don't play anymore because of Bruce's knee. So one of them out of the three down play. Yeah. So watch them play rugby. Um, I'm outside a lot. So, you know, I get extra. I pay for my dry robe. So let me get onto my point. I'm going off on a tangent. There's currently a Facebook group for people that are wearing dry robes out of context. And I've seen so much on social media. Oh my God, there's no dry robe inside. I mean, if I've paid for it, I'm wearing it. And it's very cold. I get cold. I am a super cold person. So, and I hate being cold. And these people, you know, have spent money on their dry robes just because we're not an open water swimmer. Um, Like the wonderful people that can do it are gatekeeping bloody coats you know what I mean and I saw actually someone on Facebook did say when there was a bit of a thing going oh those leggings that you wear um Barbara have you been in the gym have you no active wear you're wearing active wear and you're about an active as a stick so you know the same with dry robes I'm not open water swimming but I'm wearing it and I'm saying there's probably a few other things like that because you know well you wear them night Jordans uh, Dave and I don't think you're doing basketball are you lad so each to their own. It just irritates me when it feels a bit like passive aggressive jealousy and gatekeeping to me. If I've got a dry rope, I'm wearing a dry rope. And any other versions of a dry rope that are out there, I'm not sponsored by them, but it, you know, if you want to chuck something this way, I'd quite happily wear more of them for free because they are expensive. So I am getting my wear out of it. So yeah, that's the um, rant of the week. So today's topic for even flamingos lose their pink, is to do with perinatal, antenatal and postnatal mental health. So um, lads, partners, if you're listening and you didn't birth the child, don't turn off just yet because this actually applies to you too, whether directly or indirectly because your partner um, may be suffering from something along them lines. So when you look at the statistics for postpartum um, mental health issues, apparently it affects one in ten people so postpartum depression affects one in 10 women I would suggest that that statistic is possibly higher and I'll go into that reason why in a little bit but that's the current statistics and um, they've said that the baby blues is normal and I'm using air quotes for there Um, so they reckon the baby blues uh, lasts for about seven to ten days after having a baby and if it lasts longer than that it could be turning into postnatal depression I just want to preface 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 this say in advance I'm not a mental health practitioner I have mental health problems issues 
you know, I've got anxiety or I did have, and I do have again now because of the baby. I've suffered with depression. Um, I've been diagnosed with um, post-traumatic stress in the past. I did verge on postnatal depression. Probably actually did have it, but didn't actually have sort of medicate, medication, medical treatment. Um, I had prenatal anxiety to, uh, oh, it was horrible. So this is, um, my experience and other people's experience around me that I've, you know, I've spoke to people about this. Some of this is about me researching on Tintweb too, about what's out there and, um, things that happened for me that triggered it and then things I did to help myself get over it and get out of it. So, you know, this is no by, by no means what you definitely should be doing, but this is, these are things that worked for me. And I think that talking about, um, prenatal anxiety and postnatal depression and anxiety and other postnatal conditions that are to do with mental health are really important because, you know, it's meant to be the most wonderful time. You've got a baby. There's a small human appeared. Yay, we're parents. It's the miracle of childbirth. Why is it still crying? I've fed it. It's not sleeping. Why, why, what? Where is the manual? What are we doing for this? Oh my God, I've got to keep this thing alive. Oh my God, there are so many things that can happen that might make it ill. There are so many people judging me about what's going on. I've only had one hour sleep in the past four days. You know, there's so many things that affect your mental health um, postpartum for the, you know, for the women that have birthed and the partners too. And I'm not sure it's fully talked about. And also I think sometimes it's brushed under the carpet too because you have had a baby it's hard. Life's different. And yeah, it is. And yeah, it is. But then these feelings that are there, sometimes they go undetected. And, you know, you can fly under the radar with postnatal depression because you've got this outwardly facing aesthetic that you have to put on social media or tell everybody, yeah, I'm fine. I'm coping really well. Oh, isn't my baby wonderful? And then you just like sat in a corner rocking, crying. So it's, yeah, that's why we're talking about that today. And um, and how it just affects people and, and what that looks like for certain people too. So as I've said, uh, postpartum depression affects one in 10 people. And then um, actually 25% of dads and co-parents have PPND, which is, um, oh, I never can say that. I can't, I can't pronounce it right. Gone. So paternal perinatal depression is PPND. And then there's perinatal depression. Um, which is PND and that uh, the PPND um, affects partners and um, 25% of those people because it's a feeling of there's lots of reasons why actually male hormones drop after birth as well as female hormones drop because um, it goes back from caveman times that the testosterone drops you know so they don't eat the small potato that's just appeared and then the women's hormones drop because they're now not growing the small potato inside them so from a female perspective, birth in the um, birth in the baby, those baby blues are normal. You've had this feeling of elation. You've got this small child in front of you. Isn't it wonderful? I mean, if you were like me when it turned up, you just stared at him for 24 hours going, oh my God, that was in me and now it's out of me. And I remember thinking, oh my God, isn't he cute? And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I've got to look after it. I've got it. what? And the first nappy I changed was like, 
I had to, I had to pause the midwife and go, Scusi, um, I don't know what I'm doing. Can somebody show me how to change this nappy, please? Because I've done it on a doll. But, you know, a doll's a doll, isn't it? It's not as a... The babies feel really fragile. So um, I suppose the best... I should probably start from the beginning. So prenatally, I... Well before I got pregnant, I suffer with anxiety and depression. I have done for a very long time. When I was like 16, 15, 16... I um, was referred to services for an eating disorder because every time I uh, I felt sick or I was sick, what I now know later in life is that when I get stressed or when I'm depressed, I get extremely anxious and I don't overeat. I basically just stop eating and I feel extremely sick and I feel this constant like ball of thing inside me that stops me from eating. When I look back at the times that I had this before I knew it was it, that was my anxiety. So I've always had, for you know, for as long as I can remember, I've had some form of anxiety and going to the gym or running before the gym was a thing was my way of getting over it. So when I um, became pregnant, became pregnant when I got pregnant, when I found out I was pregnant, I guess my overthinking started because that's what happens. My train of thought just runs off by itself. So my over, my mind just raced constantly. When I went for my initial um, midwifery screening appointment, they ask you a couple of questions and you do it so well that you don't know you're being screened. So I I gave birth um, to the baby at Wigan and the services there for um, antenatal mental health are just the best. And I didn't know these were a thing because, you know, why would I? I've never accessed them before, never needed to. Lots of the mental health service, but not any pregnancy ones. So when I had my first appointment, I just sat there and cried because I was so overwhelmed about the idea of being a mum. It was just like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm a stepmom. And th- those boys, the boys are, you know, well, it's relatively well functioning. They can, you know, make themselves a drink. I mean, when I first met them, they couldn't, but they're, it's not as, they're not, they're not as scary as a small baby. I mean, they probably would have been when they were babies, but for me, meeting them when they were, they weren't as scary because it's a small human you've got to take care of, but not as scary as growing a baby, I find, found. So yes, yeah, so I just cried. I spent my first appointment with me, crying my eyes out and uh, got referred to the antenatal mental health service at Wigan and they contacted me and that team was just, oh my gosh, they were marvellous. They they were just so helpful. So I went for my appointment and when I first went for my appointment, I was fine. I don't, you know, I'd got over the initial hormone shock and the baby inside me and everything. And then um, it asked questions about sort of like, do you feel connected with the baby? And it was, it's a strange question because it's, because it, it's not there, is it? And you've got to think about that one. But they were there and they were open for my um, support if I needed them. And I noticed as the pregnancy was going on, I was starting to overthink everything like, it's getting more anxious about certain things. One thing that got stuck in my head was, how on earth am I going to take the boys to school and have a baby? What happens if the baby's crying and needs feeding? How am I going to get the boys to school? The boys can't be like the boys can't like do uh, you know miss out on things because um, the baby's sick. That's horrible for them. I don't want them to feel left out. It was the the biggest thing for me was the boys feeling left out and pushed out because we had had a baby. Because that was that was my probably my biggest fear about them feeling like they were 
wanted them to still feel included in everything because they are and they're our family, but not like so they're left out. And then it was like the logistics of it. And Bruce just went, what are you doing? You're still pregnant. You're going to have maternity leave after you're pregnant. You've got ages to worry about the school run. And I'm like, yeah, but I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And he's like, just calm down. And they, Which is, you know, take a breath type thing. Not necessarily calm down because telling someone that's not calm to calm down is like, it's like lighting touch paper, isn't it? But it was all those things and I just kept overthinking little little silly scenarios that actually, when you say it out loud, it's like, well, we'll just figure that out. Most people just go, ah, oh, we just figure that out when we get to it. And I noticed he's building up and I was like doing a bit of reading about what I can do, what I can't do, how to try and help the baby be the right way around, what happens if the baby's breached, what happens if this, what happens if that, what happens if you do this, you can't eat this food, you can't do this certain thing. There's so many things out there that you can't do when you're pregnant. Basically, you just, you can't live, can you? So that compounds your anxiety. Then you can't sleep properly. Well, I couldn't sleep properly. I couldn't sleep on my back because I was so massive, which then makes your anxiety worse because my trigger for me is when I'm anxious, I stop sleeping. So I learned this when I was in therapy, that I, what my triggers were. So I, I have, a, have a set pattern that when I get anxious, I stop eating. And because I stop eating and because I'm anxious, I stop sleeping. And then we have this vicious circle that, you know, that affects one after the other. So when I was asked about like what my triggers were and I'm like, well, sleep. And I'm like, well, that's what I'm most worried about because I'm not going to get any sleep. I'm not getting any sleep currently and I'm going to get less when it turns up. And then I think the biggest thing for me whilst I was pregnant was, um, was losing my dog Loki. He, um... Unfortunately, a week before Christmas, suffered a very large seizure and, um, sorry, wasn't able to recover from it. Now, when I nursed, the scariest thing for me nursing was nursing humans that had seizures because... Well, they just look horrific. They look horrific and we can give them drugs and you can watch them try and get out of it and watch them get better. But it's horrible to watch and it's horrible to witness them come out of it. And when, like, so Loki had uh, epilepsy and he was on tablets and he was fine for a bit. And then he, um, and then he wasn't. And this was the week before Christmas and it was extremely unexpected. And it, I mean, I was already teetering on the edge and it, it proper pushed me right over the edge. I just, I couldn't get past seeing what I saw. I couldn't get past Thor being there. And it might sound really silly for those people that don't have dogs or pets or anything like that. But him and Thor were my life before I met Bruce. And those dogs saved me on more than one occasion and made me carry on going because I had these two furry beasts that I had to look after and care for. So to lose Loki was was the tipping point for me. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't function. I just couldn't function at all. And I had to um, contact the perinatal mental health service. And 
my god oh my I can't even I can't even tell you how wonderful they were they were so busy but yet they made a slot for me to come in because they could tell how poorly I was getting and um I I just um I just sat with them and cried some more and talked it out and went through everything that was going through in my head at the time. All my anxieties about being a mum, becoming a mum, everything with Loki, losing Loki, just all of it. Um, And they listened and then they, they referred me to um, an online service where I went and... Um, did a course online and I've done loads of mental health things before in the past with my counsellors but sometimes you just forget about all your tools don't you that you've done because you're in a state of complete anxiety so they referred me to that service and they it was it was really good actually doing it online I've never done something online like that before because you can be in a room with people but not actually be in a room with people and I think when you have mental health problems or when you're getting poorly with them you can feel really alone. You can feel really, really on your own because it's just, you, you know, people get uncomfortable. I'm sure people listening just now when I got upset then were uncomfortable listening to me be upset. It, it, mental health freaks people out. <laughs> it really does. That's what, Well, that's my experience anyway. You know, you, you're meant to just do crack on and do. But you sometimes you just can't. And then in this room, this sort of like virtual room with these other mums who are either have not recently, not long given birth or were in their first 12, 18 months after giving birth, it was just listening to them and their anxieties. You go, oh, I'm not alone with this. There are other people out there. There are other people. And also you realise actually there are other people with worse mental health problems than me. So things they were recommending were like looking at facts, looking at the evidence around you that suggests that contradicts what you're thinking. So you know the what if belief, you know, what if I do this and then this happens, what if I do this and then this happens and you end up down this track of like, you know, the world's exploded before you even realised it. So to, to rein that thought process sort of back in the what if and let you spiral in, like, you know... So a really good example was kind of like, what happens if I go out in the car today and I've had a puncture and then I can't get to where I'm meant to be going and then I'm late for this appointment and then what happens if I do this? And then you kind of go, right, okay, well, have any of those things happened? Firstly, no. And you sort of track back and you go, okay, so what if I go out in the car and get a puncture? You go, right, well, so, you know, I'll phone the AA or the breakdown service to come and get me. But that hasn't happened yet. Am I, how many times have I been out in the car recently and not had a puncture? You know, every day. Could it happen today? Yeah, it could. What's the likelihood of it actually happening? You know, it, it's slim. So you kind of start evaluating things. You, you know, you take back the what if and go, okay, so what if this happens? What's the worst that could happen? Or actually, is it going to happen? Or have I just, you know, can I, can I fix it? So what if my car tire pops? Can I fix it? Yes, I can. Okay. What happens if it rains outside? Well, I'll make sure I put a brolly in the car with me. Right, okay, that's that fix. You know, what happens if it rains? I can't change the rain, but I can change my um, behaviour towards the rain. So it was those type of sort of track back. And so that's a, that's really good um, 
sometimes when you find yourself going off on a train of thought and you go into the end of the world is how many of those things across that thought process have happened? (laughs) How likely are they to happen? And actually, what in my situation can I control and what can I not control? Because we talk about um, our circle of influence and, you know, we can only control what we can control. We control control ourselves and our behaviour towards things you can't actually control outside influence. So if someone is particularly being a bit of a arse to you. You know, you can't control how they are towards you. You can control your behaviour towards them. So stop speaking to them. Call them out on the behaviour. You know, those type of things. So you, you have to... And it's really easy to sort of say that now and practice it. And, you know, I'm, I'm I'm great at giving advice. Probably not so best at listening to myself. But I do I do, do that. I kind of have to go, right, Grace... Have a word with yourself. Go outside and have a word with yourself. What can you control in that situation and what can you not control? And those things that you can control, do something about. And those things that you can't control, well, just leave over there for a little bit longer. So going through that course, going through those things, you know, Loki dying, I can't change that. That happened. But what I can do is change how I um, respond to that. I'm sad, it's grief. It's a, you know... That is a, a a fact that happens. So how you then process it and go through it is the, is the way you then control it. So that was sort of prenatal. And I guess when you, the evidence suggests that um, if you have mental health problems prenatal, you are of more disposition to have them postnatally. I mean, there are other factors on that too. So there are things like um, circumstances traumatic births, um, your social situation, what your social housing or circumstances are like, your social support around you. There are so many influencing factors on um, postnatal depression and other reasons that I haven't listed there. So, but the, one of the reasons, one of the things is you've got previous mental health problems. That's one of the reasons they screen you and, and potentially refer you or just keep an eye on you there. So, Baby blues affects 80% of um, women after birth. As I said earlier, I think this is just anecdotally, I've got no evidence of this. No, well, I've got no research evidence of this, but I have got Facebook groups and uh, Reddit that would suggest it's probably higher um, and people either go to their GP and the GP goes, ah, you've just had a baby, it's hard work. Or they don't go to the GP because, you know, I've had a baby and I should be happy. And I think that bit about when I talked last week about social media being fantastic and crap at exactly the same time. There's this aesthetic, isn't there? You've got to be... Everyone puts the best bits on social media. And no one tends to be... Or at least they never used to be. It's, again, that's getting better. Not quite as good as it should be. Um... But it is getting better sort of both ends of the spectrum. So, you know, everyone's got this idea of it. If your house is dirty or untidy when you've had a baby, oh my God, you're not coping. But you've just had a baby. You know, and if you've not even, if you've, if the, if, even if it hasn't come out the sunroof, it's hard work. It's knackering. It's tiring. And if you think about um, sort of paternity leave, two weeks, two weeks. And if you have a C-section, you can't meant to drive for eight. So it's like, 
you got to like carry this little small humor around and do things once the the partner and that's if you have a partner to start off with basically some people are doing this all on the lonesome aren't they so yeah so baby blues affects apparently 80 percent i would suggest that baby blues affects everybody that has a baby because of all of a sudden you've got this small human that's not sleeping it's crying and it needs you so you're a bit like uh, and then they say that if you're um baby blues sounds so nice doesn't it baby blues baby blues lasts about 14 days and if um it doesn't pass after 14 days that's when it could be moving into postnatal depression now postnatal depression can come on within sort of six weeks but it can be up to a year as well which is you know that's a long time isn't it because really you know people are like oh well you know you've got a baby you've, you've sorted your life out now you're back to work blah 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 but actually but some of those are um triggers too aren't they that i'm going back i'm going back to work in five weeks i am petrified of going back to work i am so full of ang- i mean i'm looking forward to it but i'm so full of anxiety about it too because i'm a bit like does my brain work has my baby fog gone the answer is no is is still there all of these things that are there and then you've got like the outside things on you as well about i've got to do this i've got to do that how am i going to fit this in what does this look like how am i going to do that there's all those stuff and then you've got like your hormones changing too so if you've breastfed like i have throughout the time i'm stopping breastfeeding it's slowing down because he's starting to eat and he's taking bottles too so those hormones are going a bit out of shift, which are making me feel a bit out of whack. So whilst I've not got postnatal depression, and I think probably when I had the baby, had Bruce not have um, snapped his knee ligament and been off for four months, <laughs> I would have been more of a babbling mess than I was. And the thing about the... Um, sort of the um paternal postnatal depression that comes from hormones but that also comes from a sense of feeling useless they they you know the 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 research suggests that the, the partner is there um but you know there's nothing quite like a cuddle off a mum and you know if if you are breastfeeding if you find yourself in that situation as much as the father or partner can do if breast is the only thing that is um comforting the baby for the best will in the world you ain't gonna stop that baby crying and you're seeing your partner up every two hours to feed the baby and there's nothing you can do to settle it so you feel useless you feel a bit disconnected you're not quite there you feel guilty that your partner's gone through all of this now i i was poorly after having him i had to get re- readmitted because my blood pressure was through the roof and I just remember looking at Bruce and he was, he's hes not, he shows emotion now and again, but he was genuinely, he looked worried. He was actually, and so I know things are bad when Bruce looks worried because usually he's the one looking at me going, now just, you know, stop. But if he ends up being worried or anxious, I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm right to be anxious. This is, this is the right moment. This is the right moment to worry, is it? Because he looks like he's worried too. It's not just me going off on one. So, you know, he was there worrying about sort of sorting the boys out, sorting the baby out, sorting me out. And he's then not sleeping because he's worried. He's not eating very well, too, on top of that. So I can see how that even without a hormonal shift in a partner, these feelings of like 
desperation and uselessness and exclusion it it, it can take over because you know after two weeks the partner's potentially gone back to work unless you've got holidays or you know you're working from home and whatever and you're that you're that the, the mom is off with the baby and you're not there you can't help so for me Bruce being here I am because I am used like I said when I get stressed or anxious I stop eating I'd be like sat there just staring into the space and next thing food would appear in front of me and I was like oh yeah 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 I'm oh thanks for that I'm actually I'm hungry now I can see food but I was so my pink had so much gone because I was putting so much into the baby and I was poorly that I just wasn't looking after myself and I can see why other people do that and then what Bruce did was he gave the baby a bottle so it meant I could have a sleep and if you think about it as well sleep deprivation they use that as torture that's a torture technique <laughs> let me give you this baby and go see you later go and look after it oh yeah yeah it might not sleep just to let you know <laughs> oh no it might sleep all day and be awake all night that was I tell you what that was the biggest lie I was ever told sleep when the baby sleeps that was suggested little sod sleeps he, for five months he didn't I think he used to have about 30 minutes 30, 30 minutes or 40 minutes at a time if that he was feeding every hour and a half oh god I can't I've been tired I've done weeks of nights I've done my fair share of stuff like that this is another level I can, and then you tip into anxiety then don't you well I do you know sleep deprivation is is a is a start precursor for anxiety and then anxiety can lead into depression you've got your hormonal shifts so I guess the the one thing I would say is if you do feel a bit down after having a baby whether you're the mum that birthed them the partner that's there the partner that's separate or you live with the person you you need to you need to talk about it. It needs to be spoken about. You either need to talk to your partner about it, talk to a friend, you know, go to your GP. And now I say that. I've seen loads of posts on Facebook where GPs or nurses in the practice haven't um taken them seriously because it's like, oh, like I said before, you've had a baby. It's difficult, you know, it's tiring work having a bit when I had a baby back in my day. And you get that and you get this thing and I suppose they contact your health visitor because again my health visitors were wonderful and my um, mental health team for the midwives were fantastic there are services out there that you can contact so in the nhs long-term plan it states that they're building on the commitments outlined in their five-year forward plan for mental health to transform specialists um postnatal mental health services across England so if you're anywhere else England I can't and then England I can't tell you what the NHS is saying about that so by 2324 at least 66,000 women with moderate to complex severe postnatal mental health difficulties can access care and support in the community they're doing a massive investment of um, 2.3 billion within the long-term plan and further developments for perinatal mental health services. I don't think it's spoken about enough. And when I um, access them and listen to them, so, so my job is, is transformation, and I talk about delivering services and how we can get that out there and sort of 
how we know what's happening and what that looks like, how we can sort of show the services work. I ended up entering, even though I was going to see them, I ended up entering work mode and I was like, right, tell me about successes. What evidence have you got? What does this look like? How do they access it? What, where are you showcasing this? Have you talked to this service? Have you put it out there? Where are you on social media? What do you do for this? And I was just, I was so, it's ridiculous. It's not, not ridiculous. I was so excited for them because they were a new service that helps people. And I'm like, how do I tell people about this? How do I shout about this? perinatal um you know perinatal mental health service because there are other people out there that need it there are so many people out there whether like i keep saying it's the, the the mum or the partner but we just don't talk about it because we you know shouldn't be happy and i will always stick by the fact that since becoming a mum it is the contra the most contradicting feelings I've ever had at one time about sort of being happy being sad so you mourn your own life you mourn <laughs> just sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Bruce is uh, nipped outside to see me in my office and <laughs> <he's> just... <sighs> So sorry, I was. I'm trying to talk about something. It's just he finds the most inappropriate times. Yeah. So I um, I love I love my family so much, but you do mourn what you was there, and you kind of go, "This is just my world is forever changed," and I still have anxiety now. So Bruce uh, said I wander around in a vortex of confusion, which I think is the best way to describe what I do when I'm going, when I'm not having a great time. I just sort of wander around in circles. He said I wander around in circles, not doing very much, but moving things around. (laughs) Like the other week when he was going to nursery, I was proper anxious about that. I I have anxiety about putting him down over night time and like something happening to overnight because he's tiny and he's not going to wake up and it's 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 horrible it's a horrible thing to live with and I don't know if it's going to get better I'm I'm dealing with it I'm hoping it does get better because it's hard work it's exhausting I know that me doing more for myself will help me to be less anxious because he even though he is my world he's not he's not my everything if that if that makes sense. So me going, you know, I've been the gym twice this week. That's a hundred percent improvement on last week and it's a half term. So just by doing that, doing this podcast, trying to find my pink, trying to find other ways to channel my energy so that I actually have time to relax. So, you know, that, that, um, doing some crafting for 10 minutes, going out for a walk. That was the other thing that the mental health team talked about, even if you don't go to the gym and you can't go to the gym and do exercise, sort of whatever reason that is, just getting outside and going for a walk. Getting outside and going for a walk can change everything. Just being outside and taking that first step out. And it's so hard to do. It can be so difficult to do. But even if it's a 10 minute walk down the road, you'll find so much more because the next time you do it it might be 15 and the next time you do it it might be you know 20 but exercise has been proven to help with mental health there's you know it's the endorphins that go there talking therapies so the treatment for sort of postnatal depression and um the 
parent, not parent, well, I can't, paternal, why can't I say that? Paternal mental health um, is, is talking therapies, talk, you know, be referred into a service that you can talk to someone. There's, um, talk to your friends, you know, because chances are they're experiencing it too. And if they're not, they may know somebody that has and can, you know, just sit and listen to you because that's all you need sometimes. You just need someone to sit and listen to you. You just need to be heard. And I think that's why people go to the GP or they sit there to be heard. And if you have a bad experience and you're not heard, you don't want to talk about it or you hear about someone having a bad experience. You don't want to talk about it. So, yeah, that's that's kind of my view and my experience on um, perinatal and postnatal um, mental health. I I was, I don't know if I'm fortunate to have a fantastic mental health team in Wigan. So according to the NHS there, um, five years ago, access to specialist uh, postnatal mental health services were variable and 40% of the country didn't have a specialist community team. It says there are now 44 specialist community services in the local NHS area in England and further developments planned. Now, I don't know if one of those 44 areas are yours, but I would suggest if you are feeling like you need to or you know someone that needs it, give them a shout. But also as well, for those people who are past that point, because they say postnatal is only sort of um, 12 months after, you know, forget the next 25 years that the child lives at home and claims all your money because that's not postnatal. But I think that... um, yeah, anyone else that has been there has been done done that. This 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 is a huge reason. This is this is my biggest reason for not being pink anymore. This is my my anxiety and my um well, my anxiety. My anxiety is my biggest my biggest hold back. It holds me back the most because I'm in my head the most. The reason I'm doing this a talk to talk it through and to talk it out is to just to tell people that you know it happens even even people that are smiley that look like they've got it all sussed out inside I it is it is as much as I love swans I love a good analogy so as much as I love flamingos swan the swan is the best one in so you see a swan tottering along or, or a duck you know any water bird Swimming along a lovely like pool, and outwardly they're just graceful, and then underneath the legs are like, and that's that's the best way to describe sort of outward like, hey, yeah, super cool. In like going, ah, internal danger, internal danger, let's go. That's you know, fight, flight, fight, flight, fight, flight. That's what it's like. But outward like, oh yeah, this is this is great. I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> so there's so many swans. There's so many swans out there that are just gliding along. Look, they look like they're gliding. But in fact their legs are pedaling to the nth degree underneath. So I think that yeah, this is talking about it is the first step, isn't it? So if you if this resonates with you, fantastic. If you know someone or you it, it triggers, you know, ask how people are and listen. So if you know someone that's had a baby or um is is pregnant and um just 
just ask them out how they are because everyone's so interested in the baby everyone's so focused in the baby and how wonderful it and everyone comes to see the baby and everyone wants to be around the baby and then after the baby is like about three weeks old everyone's like oh they're gone and you just left there aren't you with the baby on your own i mean like i say unfortunately unfortunately bruce snapped his knee ligament and was here for four months full time while he was off sick so it was us two um but that was that was a uniquely freak accident um fortuitous some might say and i know not everyone has that so if you don't have that or someone around you doesn't have that you are not alone you may be the whitest flamingo in the world currently but it does get better but you need to talk you need to speak to somebody you know it's not a sign of weakness you aren't struggling you aren't well you are struggling you might be struggling but it doesn't mean you're a bad parent it doesn't mean that you're not coping it doesn't mean that all of these things asking for help is not a sign of weakness asking for help is actually the bravest and most courageous thing you can possibly do when it comes to anything especially with mental health because asking for help is the first stage of of getting better and getting help because no one knows unless you tell them nobody knows so I implore you that if you do need it you are feeling down you are feeling anxious you are feeling all of any of those things that are don't like using the word normal because no one's normal. Um, if you aren't sort of what people would say is status quo, is probably the best, probably better than normal. Speak to someone, speak to anyone. Just reach out. I mean, message me. I'll listen to you. Um, message me. Do just, just drop me a message. Email me, DM me, whatever it is you need to do. Just, you're not on your own. You are not on your own. You are a fantastic parent. You have got this and you are doing better than you ever could imagine. And I just want you to know that, that you are wonderful and you are fantastic and you are worth it. So thank you for listening and taking the time to um, listen to my ramblings and my rants. I do hope it helps. I do. It's helping me, haven't two episodes deep so um thank you and i shall see you next week goodbye